0: Do turn with me to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. You should be able to find this passage of Scripture in your bulletin insert, or if you prefer to look on in your own Bible, or we'll be reading from the New International Version. You know, the authority of God's Holy Word is one of the distinctives of the Associate Reform Presbyterian denomination. Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith spends a good deal of time on God's holy word, and this uh, has been called the strongest statement that the Bible makes about itself, what we find here in 2 Timothy 3. We'll begin to read at verse 10 and read through the end of the chapter. Let's read the word of God together. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy. You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." I once read about a preacher who used the old joke about biblical illiteracy in his sermon one day, the joke, you know, where the question is asked, what are the epistles, and the answer out of ignorance is given the wives of the apostles. Except on this occasion, the preacher said the problem was someone came up after the sermon and said, Pastor, I didn't really get the joke. If they're not the wives of the apostles, whose wives are they? Now one of the great things we see about Timothy in this passage before us is that he is not ignorant of God's holy word at all. In fact, Paul commends him for his knowledge, and we see those positive words from Paul here in verse 14 where he says, "...continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it." And what Paul is doing here is contrasting Timothy and his good example with the evil people that he mentions in verse 13 where we read evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. These evil people, whoever they happen to be, are growing quickly in their wickedness. We can see that they advance even from bad bad. And they're doing just what Satan is famous for doing. You know, he's called the great deceiver, and that's what these evil imposters are all about. But Timothy is different. Paul is calling on Timothy to do just the opposite. Instead of going, instead of advancing in evil, Timothy is to continue in what he has learned. It's almost the idea there of abiding, remaining in what he has learned. We might say persevering in the truth... Of God's holy word. In some measure, this is what Jesus is getting at in John 15, where he talks about how he is the vine and we are the branches and how we are to abide in him because apart from him, we can do nothing. And there in John 15, he also says, Abide in my words. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy to do here to abide, to continue in God's holy word. And he can do this because he knows those from whom he's learned the truth. Now, scholars argue a little bit about who Paul is really talking about here when he says that. I think it's fair to say that he's talking to some extent about Timothy's mother and grandmother, but I think that he's referring more so to himself. You know, Paul talks about how Timothy was brought up in the first chapter in this letter. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. And I'm not trying to take away from the importance of God's truth being instilled in us as youngsters and how important that is. Child psychologists and educators are always telling us of the importance of of beginning training at an early age even as we have that baby there in the hospital. We're already trying to make sure that that bond of love is formed the way it should be and that that baby feels loved and cared for and secure. And this practice extends out as those children grow into other areas, whether it's language or mathematics or relational skills. The younger, the better. And that was certainly true for Timothy, and it's just as true for your children and grandchildren and just as true for my children. Those early days are the days, the best days... Not the only days, but the best days to impress upon these young minds and hearts the truth of God's love for them and God's love for you. But as true and important as all of that is, as I've already said, Paul is most likely referring more to himself because in that same first chapter of this letter where he talks about Timothy's family, he goes on to say, follow the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And in the first verse of our passage, verse 10 he says something similar. You've observed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose. That is my aim in life. You see, Timothy knows Paul. He knows this apostle who has taught him. Paul's not only led Timothy to Christ, and I say that because Paul calls him his true child in the faith, but Paul's also laid hands on him at his ordination. We know that because of Scripture. Timothy has seen and experienced Paul's example. He's traveled with him in his travels in ministry. He's seen the evidence He's witnessed the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life. Timothy was confident in Paul and the authority of his teaching. And you see, you and I can share that same confidence because whenever we open up the New Testament and read all those letters of Paul that are contained therein, we see that those letters are authenticated by this same apostolic authority that Paul has, the same thing that Timothy experienced firsthand and witnessed with his own eyes. But even before Paul, Timothy from childhood has been instructed in the Old Testament Scriptures, presumably again by his mother and grandmother. And he believed them to be divinely inspired as Paul is about to tell him in this passage. In his commentary on 2 Timothy, John Stott makes the point that this is another reason Timothy is to continue in what he has learned because this teaching of the gospel that he's received from Paul is in harmony with the Old Testament scriptures he had learned as a child. We have to remember that as Paul goes around testifying to God's work in his life and as he testifies of the work of God in Jesus Christ for all of creation, he consistently makes this claim that the good news of the gospel is nothing new. It's already there in the Old Testament. It's always been there. For example, when he's making his defense before King Agrippa in Acts 26, we read where he says I stand here testifying both to small and to great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to the people, meaning the Jews, and to the Gentiles. Think about what Paul says there at the beginning of his letter to the church at Rome. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand in his prophets through the Holy Scriptures. Or think of those great words near the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. You see, that's a formula there. That's a a way of speaking. That shows that it's been passed down to Paul and he's passing down the same thing to the church at Corinth. Those words are familiar to us because if we think about 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul's talking about the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, we see that same kind of formula. I received from the Lord that which I also received. Delivered unto you. We see the same thing here in 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is why Timothy must continue to abide to persevere in the truth of God's holy word because he knows those from whom he's learned it and he knows the truth of God's word, the grace of God's word, that it's truth bestowed on him, the wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And of course it's obvious, but lest we miss an important point here, that's just as true for you and me. God's Word is able to bestow on us the wisdom necessary for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's like Paul says in Romans 10, and once again he's quoting from the Old Testament, Isaiah 28, No one who believes in Him will be put to shame for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and works its truth into your heart and into mine so that we call on the Lord Jesus in faith. Think back over your life. Think about those who have taught you the Word of God. I hope it was your parents. It may have been your grandparents. It might be Sunday school class teachers or or youth group leaders, or a friend at school. It could be those who kept you in the nursery, taught you in the twos and threes class. It might be a spouse, or a sibling, or a co-worker. You know those from whom you've learned it. And you know the truth of the Word itself. You know it's faithful, it's true, it's been the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. It brings comfort in the time of need and strength and hope when you're in despair through years of experience. You've seen the truth of Psalm 1, that blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water, a tree that yields its fruit in its season. Continue. Persevere in what you have learned. And not only just for the reasons we've been talking about, but especially do we persevere in the truth of God's Word because of what Paul proceeds to tell Timothy here in verse 16. Words, as I say, that have been called the strongest statement that the Bible makes about itself. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. You see, this truth that we read about Scripture here in this text makes this book, the Bible, different than every other book in the world. And let's think about Why that's true. Miles Van Pelt is professor of Old Testament and academic dean at Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. And he tells the story of being asked to be the special speaker in chapel at a local Christian elementary school. He says the speaker or the victim as he put it. He said because it's a scary thing to walk into an auditorium Where there are about 300 children of all ages, and he's introduced as a professor and the special speaker and the father of three of their students, and he says that's when the pressure is really on. But before he said a single word, he took a bag, a plastic bag filled with dirt, and set it on the podium. And he said, what had been a kind of restless crowd, all of a sudden every eye was fixed on that bag of dirt. And he said, you know, I'm going to need a a volunteer today. Is there anyone who would like to help me? And about 200 hands shot up, and he chose a sixth grader by the name of John William. And once he got John William beside of him, he put his hand on his shoulder and he said, now I want you to tell me, young people, what's the difference between John William and this bag of dirt. And he said, given the context, you can imagine the humorous answers that began to come from the children in that auditorium. He said, but my question was serious. And what this professor proceeded to do was to point those children to the connection between us as humanity and dirt. And you know what that connection is, or most of you should. You've you've studied Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. That's in Genesis 2. And in Genesis 3, we're told how we are dust, and to dust we shall return. So John William and that bag of dirt are pretty similar. But going back to his question, what is the difference? What is the difference between you and me and a bag of dirt? We find the answer also in Genesis 2. Because when we're told that God formed man out of the dust of the ground, we're also told, and He breathed into His nose the breath of life and the man became a living being. you see how we are different than dirt and every other living being in all of creation because we've been given life by the breath of God and we've been made in His image. That we have been God-breathed is the difference. And this also points us to the difference between the Bible and every other book known to man in creation today. We can see in this passage before us that the Scriptures have as their animating force the same, very same breath of God. All Scripture is God-breathed. This is why the author of the book of Hebrews describes the Bible as living and active. No other written work, and all of creation can hold that designation. Only the Bible is alive. You see, it's the only other thing in the world like you and me. God breathed. And according to Scripture, nothing else in all of creation is described this way. Now if you take this knowledge to its logical conclusion then just like we are nothing more than dirt without God's power at work in our lives so are our favorite books nothing more than dirt. I mean even good books like St. Augustine's writings like John Calvin's institutes and commentaries like your favorite book by Spurgeon or if you want to come into modern times, your favorite book by John Piper or Tim Keller or Billy Graham or anyone else, nothing more than dirt. They have good things to teach us, but they're not in the same category as Scripture. That's why it makes sense for our Sunday school classes to study Scripture not the most popular book on the market at the time. There's only one book in the world that's God-breathed, only one book that is living and active, only one book that is totally profitable, infinitely useful to teach, rebuke, correct, and train in righteousness, and only one book able to instruct us for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so the question is, are you and I, are we spending enough time in this book? See, that's what Paul is telling Timothy here, to continue in what we have learned, to abide in the Word of God. Read it, study it, and make it your own for your eternal good. And remember, because it is living and active, the Bible is always relevant. It's always up to date. It always speaks to your life and to mine and whatever is taking place in our lives. And if we don't think the Word of God is relevant, then we've got some kind of spiritual problem going on in that we haven't prayed enough or studied enough or found the right passage because it's alive and it speaks to us each and every day. As God's created people, as people who have been breathed into being, we have a wonderful connection with the origin of His Holy Word. In fact, we're sort of made to go together. Think about that the next time you don't have the desire or feel like you don't have enough time to read God's Word, His love letter to you, and the way of life He expects you and me to live each day. For this truth is one of the reasons the psalmist can say in Psalm 119, Great peace have those who love your law. Now listen to that. Great peace have those who love your law because... Nothing can make them stumble. Nothing. Nothing that takes place in this world can ever make us stumble when we have a great love for God's holy word. May that be true for you and me to God's honor and glory in the days to come. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.